And today we are gonna be what wait, what episode is this? Episode seven? Seven. <gasps> so Ooh, our lucky number seven. We have moved on to a new topic. Yes, and we have. It's fucking Amityville. I know, I'm kinda sad though. I miss Green River. And I, I like I'm finding the more that I think about it this week, there's like things that I wish I would have said. Oh no, I thought of <sighs> ten different things that I was like, God damn it, I we didn't talk about that. Like I know. we didn't we won't get too deep into this, but we didn't talk about Gary Rujo's house at all. I know. And we which is the most interesting thing. It's in the so world. interesting. And we didn't talk about his like love of Carol Christensen. I know. Anyway, so if 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 there is a desire for another Green River episode, we probably have more to say. Oh my god, it's just all the scraps. The but scraps. We, we decided six. And so now yeah. we're gonna move on to a topic that I think we have a di- <gasps> different emotional connection with yeah. than Green River, which is to say This is pretty much purely humorous, ridiculous, and yeah, amazing. Fuck yeah! So any of the the like seriousness or sadness that I was feeling about Green River, none of that applies here at all. Zero of that applies. Well, especially with this. So okay, so for this episode, we're going to be talking about the haunting specifically. Next episode, we'll be talking about the actual crime, true crime, which there's some sadness there. There is. it Okay, yes, because children were murdered, right. but it's been so overshadowed by the insanity surrounding it right. that it's hard to remember that. that. Like, yeah, real people got murdered. Yeah. So, okay, we'll this try, we'll try to have some gravitas <laughs> around the children being murdered, but this shit is, no. No gravitas No gravitas, no gravitas here. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, Let's start out, okay, so, um, because we did this with Green River Killer... What and I don't have a personal connection at all. Because <laughs> you, so, you have taste, unlike unlike me. Because I'm classy as fuck. Uh-huh. Um, but why don't you tell us about what's your? Because I know you have a oh. personal connection. Oh, I do. So talk to us about. Okay, that. so picture it. It's 1984, Ooh. probably, and I am in Helena, Montana. Oh God, my why? Gr- my great grandfather died. And he lived in Helena. So we were going, it's, it's okay, I didn't know him. Um, so we were going for his funeral. So I end up at a motel with two girls who I think were vaguely related to me. I don't think I ever saw them again. And they were a little bit older than me. I was like, I was five. And they turned on cable television, which was a big deal. And there was, to me, the scariest movie I had ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Now, you think I'm going to say the Amityville horror? Oh, no. No, no, no. It I was, was going to say good because we couldn't be friends. No, 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 no. No, it's worse than that. It was Amityville 3. Fuck! Amityville 3, which is, please tell me someone out there has seen this movie. It's so bad. It's the 3D Amityville movie. It's the worst thing ever, and there's nothing scary about it, but I was five. And so yeah. I was completely enraptured with this whole idea of there was, you know, it had all the classic elements, the haunted house, the flies, the satanic voices, Mm -hmm. the gateway to hell, like all that stuff was in there. 
And I thought it was the scariest fucking thing. <laughs> and ever since then, I'm like, oh, man, haunted houses. It's the best. I still to this day love haunted houses. So then when I got a little bit older, then I watched the original Amityville, which we'll talk about it. Has it has some moments. It's it's bad, but it has it has a few moments that I'll defend. And then I read the book. And then once the internet came around, <sighs> then started doing some pretty intensive research around this whole thing. Yeah. So that that's where I got invested in the in the Amityville story. Oh, and I've been to the Amityville house in person. Wait, excuse me? Yeah. You have never told me that. I don't think I have ever told you that. Okay. This is such a good story. I have to tell this. <gasps> okay. 1994, my um, cousin, my mom's cousin gets married, so we end up in uh, Massachusetts. My uncle at the time lived in New York, so after the wedding, we went down to visit him in New York City, and I'm 15, and I insisted, insisted that we drive out to Long Island to go see the Amityville house. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and, and I, because I didn't know anything, I had this image of it, oh, it'll be like, you know, a half hour down the road, and of course it's not, because... No. It's crazy. And so it took a really long time to get there. And then it, it's just a fucking house. Like, it's not interesting at all. But I've, I've, I've seen it and I took a picture of it. You did? Mm-hmm. Do you still have a picture? I do. <laughs> I totally do. <gasps> Will so you post I, it on the website? Yeah, I'll have to find it. But yeah. Which, oh, P.S., quick plug. We have a fucking domain-ass website. Oh, yeah, we have a real website. You say it because you paid for the domain. Okay, mydarkhour.net. I decided to go old school with our our suffix. And I need to just say this. Okay, this website is the kind of website that before... I mean, I'm not just saying this because, like, we've contributed to this. But this is the kind of website that I would dream of. Like... It has so much information about a particular topic. There's video, there's fucking book reviews, there's all kinds of shit, and that is so rad to me. It's just, like, this amazing thing. So, Carrie, I praise you, girl, like I should. Because it's amazing. But anyway, go there. It's cool. Also, okay, wait, can I just say one more thing? Dude, you fucking lived in a haunted house. I did. Yeah. Um, Which may explain why I'm completely fascinated and obsessed with haunted houses uh yeah so maybe i think in the future we should do a podcast about stuff in our own lives that we've experienced Mm, that's scary interesting i think that could be cool okay so at at that point i'll I'll talk about that cool okay uh so the details for the podcast today were unfortunately taken from the jay anson book the amityville horror that was published in (laughs) 1977 and oh my god it is a fucking piece of shit and I say that with like three exclamation points after it. It's one of the worst written bestsellers, I think, oh. of all time. It's absolutely atrocious, but it was a big deal when it came out. This was a major bestseller. Um, it was a like, phenomenon in the, in the publishing world. How? Because I think seriously, we, we'll get to talking about that because I think there are reasons why the time was right in the seventies for yes, this kind of thing. True, but it's bad. It's it's a really bad. Oh my god! Book. I mean, it's just like even it's not even the story as much, even though the story is hella dumb too. But like the way that it's written is so shitty. I can't even believe that anyone would be like, "Oh, this is a good book." My eyes would involuntarily roll so hard on the bus that by the time I would get off the bus, my eyes would hurt. And also, I was embarrassed to let anyone see what I was reading, so I would kind of like tip it down. <laughs> Luckily, you so were no reading my vintage copy, which <laughs> is missing the cover. So I, I, know, think, I was like, "Thank God, thank God, no one can see what I'm reading." <laughs> so, just to back it up, I read this book when I was probably twelve. 
and I got it from the public library. And in my, or maybe I was 11, but in my child's mind, at the time I acknowledged that the writing was shitty, but it completely (laughs) terrified me because there's, because the writing is so bad, it has the quality almost of like reading not exactly someone's diary, but it it almost feels like just like a random person wrote it. It doesn't feel like a real book. Yeah. And which does, I think at least to me at the time, made it seem scarier. Like, fuck, maybe this is real. It definitely has a Go Ask Alice vibe. Very Go Ask Alice, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so this book came out, um, I will say that before this, well, maybe we should tell the story before we talk about the book, because actually... There was there was publicity before the book actually was published. Oh, so it wasn't the book wasn't the first time the public was aware of of the haunting, the alleged haunting. So tell us tell us a little bit about the story of the Amityville haunting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so um, it starts when the Lutz family, which consists of George, the man, the husband, Kathy, his wife, Chris, Danny, and Missy, who are Kathy's kids. From another marriage, they move into the house on 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. Mm-hmm. And they do this on December 18th, 1975. God, you know the fucking date. I know the motherfucking wow. date, girl. And what was special about this house? Well, <laughs> so this house was a motherfucking beauty of a house. <laughs> Gorgeous. It was three stories with a finished fucking basement. There was a motherfucking pool. There was a, pool. There was a motherfucking boathouse. Mm-hmm. Like nice ass house, right? A little bit tacky on the inside. Mm. There was definitely um a mirrored wall in the master bedroom, which is farike, but beautiful house. And they only paid eighty thousand dollars for it. And why is that? Because, like, (laughs) a year before, a family of six got murdered inside. Yes. But they didn't even care. And you know what? So they say. Can I I just say something? Like, the more that I've thought about this week, because I've thought a lot about this, like, God, well, actually, maybe I should ask, would you live in a house where a year earlier, six people were murdered? No. Why? Fuck no. Why? I would think about it all the time. That's really the only reason. I, I don't know if I necessarily believe there would be any lingering supernatural or even bad vibes happening. But I think I would think about it constantly. So imagine you're laying in bed at night. Okay. I would just lay there thinking about the fact that somebody was fucking shot in this room and died. And there was like blood all over the walls and like the mirrors carry, excuse me, all over the mirrors, the smoked mirrors behind the bed. I mean, that would fuck with my head. I don't think I could get over that because I'm already kind of obsessed with what's happened in any house that I've lived in before I lived there. That's all I can think about. I'm like, were people happy here? Did like fucked up shit happen? Was everybody miserable? Was there domestic violence? Did, I mean, or did somebody die? So if you knew somebody died, you knew they died in your room and you knew they were fucking shot. I, I don't think I could handle it. What do you think? Girl, if I got a good enough price on it, I would fucking party it up in there. I don't fucking believe you. <laughs> I do not fucking believe you. I don't. They got they bought this house, which, okay, in 75, I mean, $80,000 is still a lot of money, but, like, this oh, is a cheap. nice... It was cheap. A nice-ass house. I don't know. I, I don't know. If it had been... If the murders had been, like, 100 years before, or even 50, I think I could sort of handle that. 
But it was a year. Yeah, and so this is kind of the other creepy thing. So when they moved in, part of their deal was that they actually bought some of the furniture as well. Including the bed frames. Including the bed frames, yeah. So where all the all the family, the DeFeo family um, who were murdered there, all were shot in their beds. So, like, they bought beds that probably at one point had, like, brain matter and blood all over and them. And children. Like, these were the children's yeah. bed frames. I mean, yeah, yeah so... That's not okay. Okay, so yeah. this this murder, so this family was murdered, and who murdered them? It was their son. Their oldest son. Butch. Mm-hmm. Butch is his nickname. And he is not a very Butch person. We'll talk about that in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the whole crime in the next episode. Yes. But I think that makes it even more disturbing that there was sort of a domestic violence aspect to yeah. it. That I mean, I suppose you could argue that if a stranger broke into the house, that's a scarier concept. But yeah. I don't... To me, it's scarier to be murdered by somebody you know. Why? Because I think we expect to be murdered. I mean, well, if you think about being murdered at all, I think I expect to be murdered by just like a random stranger or a serial killer or somebody that I don't know and don't have a relationship with. But imagine somebody you have a very close relationship with right. killing you. And I mean, you have that, that really moment freaky. where you realize like, holy shit, this person that I love, love and I'm close to is going to fucking kill me. Right. Right. And I think there's no, to me, like, if you believe in hauntings or if you believe in spiritual, I don't know, imprints from bad things, that's kind of, I think, the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah, and I mean, I mean if you think about all of the the negative energy that would be generated by something like that, I mean, like, and again, we'll get into the details of the of the crime in the next episode, but there was some serious negative shit happening in that house even before the murder. And, okay, like, I think in principle I'm like, there's no such thing as hauntings. But, like, also... Are you? You I don't lo- believe in ghosts? Yes, I, I mean, I do, but I don't. It's weird. I But I do, it's like, and then part of me is like, well, you know, I definitely think that places have an energy, like... You fucking feel places. Oh, yeah. Like, that's really honestly how I make so many decisions is, like, if something feels right to me or feels wrong to me. And so I really do feel like having six people murdered, uh, like, a year before is probably a lot of, like, intense energy. (laughs) Uh, your interrupt uh, the dog is interrupting our, <laughs> our, our intense conversation about ghosts. Anyway, so very soon after, like within a day, uh, <laughs> according to according to Jay Anson, yeah, <laughs> immediately some pretty crazy shit starts happening. So first, the first thing that makes them really go hmm is that the toilets turn all black. That's not the first thing, is yes, it? Yeah, it's that the toilets turn all black. They're like getting everything ready, and all of a sudden. They notice that the toilets are, there's black on all the toilets, which if that is a sign of a haunting, I'm just saying like every college age men living together (laughs) lives in a haunted house. They're all fucking haunted. Like Paul's toilet when I met him. Oh my God. It was the most horrible (laughs) thing I've ever seen. It was really bad. So the toilets are all black. They're like cleaning them and it's like not really scrubbing off, but kind of. Mm -hmm. Then Kathy... The wife. The wife. She's in the kitchen doing her, like, woman thing. Because, of course, that's what where women go. She smells what she describes as cheap perfume and feels a comforting hand on her in the kitchen. So the kitchen becomes this place where she feels kind of comfortable. She's going to feel, like, very motherly. Like a mother being like, you're good. You're all good. 
so shit starts going weird for a couple days, and they're like, hmm, maybe we should get a Catholic priest to come in and bless the house. Yeah. And so they do. And this priest shows up and is blessing an upstairs bedroom that is referred to as the sewing room. Sewing room. In, in this book. That's where Kathy thinks that she can possibly practice her transcendental, transcendental meditation. meditation. They're really into transcendental meditation. TM, yeah. as, as they like to call it. TM, which the first time I saw that in the book, I was like, what the fuck does TM mean? Trademark. I know. What does this mean? And then I was like, oh. And was, tra- and was the sewing room the boys' room? I think it was. It was the boys' room. So the, so the, in the family who was murdered, there were two young, the two youngest siblings were boys and mm-hmm. they were in the same room and they were shot in there. So he goes into this room and he sees flies on the windows, like more flies than you would expect to see in a house. And a voice tells him to get out. And so he flees the house. Wait, and then, that's a movie detail. What, no, what, oh, shit. Is it? What happens in yeah, the book? In the book. The priest comes. In the book, the priest comes. He feels weird and he, do, he does hear get out. But the flies are, that happens to George initially. You're the, right. You're right. You're right. Room. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm getting the movie and the book details confused. There's, it's, there's flies. There's it's priests. really easy to get them mixed up. <laughs> and then he continues, and then the priest never comes back to the house, but continues to have sort of issues for a while. Yeah. Afterwards. So he start he starts feeling ill. He has this intense fever and then he starts getting blisters on his hands. On his palms. Yeah. Like it's fucking stigmata or something. Yeah. 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 And he keeps having, like, he keeps calling George, and George is calling him, and they're having trouble communicating, and there is a lot of time spent on the priest in this fucking book. There's a lot of time spent on the priest in the movie. I I mean, in general, there's a very, the exorcist was clearly an inspiration to this, so there's a lot of priest stuff. A lot of Catholic imagery. Yes. I mean, there's crucifixes upside down. I mean, there's there's a lot of Catholic shit going down. Totally. And speaking of shit, there's a part that happens (laughs) where the priest is, like, hanging out. He's sick. He's hanging out in his rectory. In the rectory. Yeah. (laughs) Which really sounds like a butthole. And (laughs) he suddenly starts smelling an overwhelming smell of poop. It just smells what, like How poop. does the book... Do, they don't use the word poop. They would say excrement. Excrement. That's right. That's the word they like. So, okay. He's smelling poop super intensely. He puts on some incense and opens the windows even though it's so cold outside. Nothing is making it better. It's just getting worse. Yeah. And guess what? Poop smell equals the devil, apparently. <laughs> apparently. According, according to Jay, Jay Anson. <laughs> which, guess what? This is evidence to tell me that Paul is the devil. Can I tell you a funny sort of poop story? Of course. You know I her, love hearing You know stories. how Richie was sick? That's my oh, my son. Yeah. So he was sick this last week, and the first day that, or the day after he had the fever, he was farting all day, <laughs> and it was the rankest <laughs> smelling farts I have ever so like, I would be holding and be like, what the fuck is that? And I kept thinking he had pooped. No, just farting. We were we went to IKEA and we were like no. clearing out aisles. It was terrible. Hell yeah, girl. Let me take Richie with me next time so I don't have to be around people at IKEA. I didn't think babies could do that. He has Satan inside of him. He has Satan inside just of so inside you know. of his butt. It's come out of his rectory. So, <laughs> so next time you smell poop, the devil, devil is in the house. What wait, wait, wait. Okay, so speaking of the poop smell, can we talk about the red room in the basement? Wait, not yet. We know okay, okay. Yet. Sorry, sorry. Morgan's got a bullet pointed list. I do so. have a bullet pointed list <laughs> so. because there's like there's like the lesser 
issues, and then there's like the motherfucking intense issues. There's a lot of lesser issues. There's are, there are, there's but I'll, ma- I'll do. I'll make this quick. Okay, so then what happens is George cannot fucking get warm. He That's is right. like yeah. turning on his oil heat, which okay, that is horrifying because I know how much that costs. Uh-huh, me too. Um, and then the fireplace. Yeah. And they're, like, mad because he goes through so much wood. He They like keep talking about how he goes through, like... A cord of wood. A cord of wood in, like, a week. I don't know what a cord is. I don't either. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, is that, like, one of those things that you pick up at the grocery store? But I think you could just go through one of those in the night. No, I think it's way more than that. Okay. But I, I don't know. Anyway, he goes through a cord of wood in a week, if that means anything to anyone, <laughs> which it probably doesn't. And then he starts waking up at 3.15 every morning. Every morning. Yeah, and everyone's sleeping on their stomachs. This is significant, P.S., because every one of the DeFeos were sleeping on their stomachs when they got murdered. Uh-huh. So he wakes up at 3.15, and he hears this banging. And he's like, oh, my God, someone's knocking on the door. But then he goes, and he's like, oh, actually, it's just the boathouse door. And he goes outside. Wait, that's from the movie, too, isn't it? They do do it in the movie. I just said doo-doo. They do it in the movie, but it's also from the book. I don't remember that in the book. I have not read the book in a few years. Yeah, so he, like, starts obsessively checking the door in the boathouse, which I'd be like, okay, like, do it in the morning. I, I do not step out of my house after, like, 9 p.m. I'd be like, who 9 PM. cares? I like, know. Oh, whatever. Why does it matter if the boathouse door is open? It doesn't. I know. And then, okay, like, f- this is when the flies start showing up. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? I don't even remember the part. What, what, okay. What, so, like, is it the part where he go? Well, okay, tell No, I don't even remember. Okay, so, tell. like, what happens is that he goes into the city. Kathy flips out about something, or, like, Missy does something. I think this might be when Jody shows up. <laughs> I don't fucking remember because I was so annoyed at everything. Okay, anyway, <laughs> that's why I asked you to talk about it. So, anyway, long story short, flies start showing up on the windows. Well, I remember him going in... I re- okay, so there's a lot of issues with the windows being stuck open. Yeah. Like, that keeps happening, uh-huh. or, they, or they can't open them. And he goes into, once again, the sewing room, and there's, like, flies all over all of the windows, even and though nobody's been in the room yes. for a while. And it's really cold, and he's like, why are there flies? Because they should all be, like, dead. But there are these big, fucking, fat, sluggish flies. And he talks about how he kills all of them. Yeah. Which just, like, doesn't even make any so sense. So murderous. I know, but you know what? Okay, I need to tell, just tell a quick story. Okay. I lived in this house that was on Aurora and 80th Street. Wait, in North on Seattle. Aurora? Yeah. What? I know. Oh. It was so wait, noisy. Aurora and 80th? Yeah. Dude, I know that intersection. What yeah. Fuck? Yeah. Okay, we're okay. right behind where that like mechanic place is. Yeah. We're in the house right behind that. Mm. So And my house faced Aurora. But what happened, suddenly in the wintertime, dude, all these fucking fat, sluggish flies started showing up. Ask Paul. He was there too. And they would just show up, like, there would be, like, 50 in my room. And then, like, I'd open the window, get them all out, and then the next day there'd be, like, way more. I don't know that what was going on. That would freak me the I fuck know. out. I was like, it's Amityville, yo. It's fucking Amityville. I know. It was crazy. So, anyway, these flies start showing up, right? He's killing them. He's, like, hella pissed about these flies. Also, he notices that something starts going on with his dog. So, he's got this cute little dog named Harry. Such a little cutie who he leaves fucking outside all the time. It's Just like chained out in the back. I know. It's like it's one of those cold. sad dog commercials. It's horrible. I know. Like, and so he leaves him outside and then he notices that he's like really sleepy all the time. And won't eat. Which is probably because he's freezing to death high. <laughs> and so that's going on. But he's like, oh, why is he off guard? He's clearly not on guard. 
protect he's very family. he's very interested in this dog being a guard dog. Yeah. We'll we'll get to talking about George a little bit later. Yes. Now, this is when Kathy they they find this little pantry downstairs and Kathy wants George to take some canned stuff down there. So tell us what they find, Carrie. Wait, is it her who finds it or him? It's him. Oh, well maybe she, No, I think it's him. So what this is what happens. She starts putting the cans in and knocks something loose and then gets him. Okay, so there's a closet. Okay, so back up. The Amityville Horror is very nice because it gives you diagrams of the house, which mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not being sarcastic. I actually genuinely appreciate I know, that. that was kind of fun. And so in the basement underneath the stairs, there's a closet, which is somewhat typical. So she's down there putting, yeah, like hands on a shelf. And as she hits the back wall, which is made out of like wood paneling is kind of my impression, mm-hmm. it breaks kind of backwards and she realizes there's like a space behind the shelving which that's that's scary that is way fucking scary so she goes up and gets george and is like what the fuck is back there so he takes off the shelves opens up the wood paneling and there's a like not a room but there's a space behind this closet and here's the interesting thing so Later on, there was a guy named Stephen Kaplan, who I can't remember what his deal is, but he was sort of an Amityville expert. And trust me, if you Google, you will find (laughs) a lot of so-called Amityville experts. So he ended up convincing the people who lived in the Amityville house later. I don't know how much later, maybe 10 years after this. He convinced them to let him into the house. And I think they had a Halloween party there. And there's photos of this, and I've seen it. So there was a Halloween party at the fucking Amityville house. And there's a photograph of this guy in in this room that we're talking about. Is which, he dressed up in a Halloween costume? No, he's just wearing normal clothes. Wow, we're boring. But it's cool to see what it actually looked like. Because yeah. this book makes it sound, and the movie, dude, fucking forget it. But the yeah. book makes it sound like this sort of very ominous space that's really creepy. But if you see the photographs, it's not really. Right. But he goes into a, this little, I don't know, like five by five space that's all painted red. And he's It's like, actually there? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, God. Um, and so he's like, what the fuck is this? And the book says that it smells like blood. Yeah. That the room smells like blood. Yep. And it flips him out and he is like, okay, well, I'll just like, we'll just, we'll just kind of leave this where it is and not think about it again. Okay. So this is all within the first four days. Is it? Is the red room within the first four days? Yeah. Get the fuck out. Seriously. Get the fuck out. What the hell? Another thing that happens is that George and Kathy pretty much start beating their kids. Like, first, in the the beginning of the book, it's talking about how George is, like, in his head. I'm so lucky. I've got these really nice kids. And Um, talking about how clean Kathy smells. Do you remember that? (laughs) He's very interested in, like, God, she smells clean. And I just need to point out, they talk about their sex life a lot in this book. A lot. But it's not even, like, good a lot. It's, like... (laughs) I feel like it's really, like, 70 sex. Well, they're making love. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of all you need to say. Obviously. But, like, they spent a lot of time talking about they made love every night, you know, since they'd been married. But now, since they lived in this house, you they, know, they hadn't made love at all. You know, it was love in, like, four days. <laughs> oh, my, can you imagine? Oh, my God. All of a sudden, they start thinking that their kids are being real butts, and the boys are all fighting, and, like, they just start beating the shit out of them. They start slapping them on their faces and shit, 
and like beating them with a wooden spoon. Yeah, that one. Like, what the hell? So they start like doing real asshole things. They're just they sound like awful people. Then okay, then Missy, who at this time that's a the little daughter. She's like a five year old. She's five. Yeah. She starts talking about this imaginary friend named Jody, who she describes as a large pig. Yeah, Jody's a large fucking pig. Mm-hmm. So one night when George is on his little escapade going out at 3.15 in the morning <laughs> to check the boathouse, even though he could just stay in bed, he looks up at Missy's room and sees her in the window, which, P.S., is creepy enough, right? That is. So she's fucking so watching scary. him. So scary. But then behind her is a pig. He yeah. sees a pig with glowing red eyes. Yes. Okay. Yes, you heard that right, audience. At this point, you're going... That's fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know how that's scary. And this was one of my biggest eye rolls ever, was this whole, like, Jody thing. Because why? What? That makes no sense at all. So they stay in the house. They're just like, you know what? It's fine. This is kind of intense, but it's whatever. We'll get over it. Yes. Then some really crazy shit starts happening. So, like... The squeezing hand ghost turns into a scary squeezing body ghost. And Kathy starts getting her body squeezed. What else happens? <laughs> uh, she levitates. There's a levitation oh scene god. with her, which is, give me a fucking break. Oh my god. There's a scene where she wakes up from a nap and she looks like an, a hag. Yeah, she's a 90-year-old and there yeah. is, I wish I had the book in front of me because the um, description is so funny. Because it's talking about her ugly wrinkles and, like, how gross she looks. And I want to be like, girl? Mm. Like, aging is not a bad thing, okay? It's, yeah. I don't even know what to say. There was clearly so much coming from Jay Anson as yeah. opposed to whatever the hell they actually told him. Right. It's bananas. Crazy. So doors and windows start getting, like, wrenched out of their frames, including the garage door. Oh, this one's my favorite part. There's this porcelain lion, oh, lion that Kathy sees moving, and then it bites George in his ankle. Yeah. Uh, that's really funny. But which which is scary, and I'm putting that in quotes, because they had already moved it up to the sewing room. It had been yeah. in the living room, and they're like, get that thing out of here. Yeah. And then so it reappeared in the living room. Danny, the son, gets his hand flattened by a window. Yeah. Not actually broken, but his hand gets flattened. Oh, there's also another great part where Kathy gets these burning claw marks down her body. Oh, that's and she, right. Remember, she's like naked, and her mom comes over. Yes, and it's from like her under her boobs down to her like vagina, Cub- pubic hair, basically. Pubic hair. Yeah, and, and she's they, showing her mom. Yeah, like what the? F- I know. What? Oh my god. I know. And then when every time people touch it, it's like hot to the touch. Oh, this is also really great. They see a goddamn hooded figure in the fire. He has a white hood, which is really interesting to me, and it's a scary-ass demon face, and it burns itself into the back of their fireplace. Yes, on New Year's Day, New Year's morning. Yeah. And then they also, I mean, at sort of the end, the the climax of this whole story is they encounter that figure again. Yeah, in the hallway. It's... Yeah. Basically, the entire book is just event after event after event after event, yeah. Which is kind of what makes it unbelievable. Because if right. it really was happening to you to this extent, get nobody out. would fucking stay. Right. And it's like, I just, I feel like the excuses that they always give, it's like, well, we wanted to go, but... It was raining. The storm started. Yeah, yeah there's a lot just, of, like, the weather was real bad. I'm like, yeah. seriously? Like, how does that ever stop you from just getting in your van and leaving? It doesn't. 
So green goo starts oozing out of everywhere, and yeah. the house floods, and they're like just wiping it up, do do do, like it's normal. Oh, this one's really great. They see cloven hoof prints in the snow. Yes, which is definitely implied that it's Jody, Jody. running away through the snow. Right, but like the devil. But they even give a, they even at the back of the book have a picture that oh, Missy drew of Jody running away through the snow, <laughs> which is. Interesting, because either they've forged a, a drawing of a five-year-old, or she actually did draw it, and what does that mean? Does that mean she was, like, coerced into drawing this photograph? Or not the photograph, drawing? Yeah, so I spent a, actually, like, an inordinate amount of time thinking about that <laughs> okay. picture this week, and I was like, man, could I forge a five-year-old's drawing? I don't think I could. I don't think so. It looks deliberately shitty. Huh. Like, the pig has feet with toes on it. That's true. I mean, it's like, it's almost like, what would a five-year-old think a pig looked like? How would they dry, draw it? Huh. So, I don't know. I just, but I'm a huge skeptic on this whole thing. Why so. you should be. Obviously, right? So, another thing that happens with Jody at this point is that, and I mean, seriously, like, all this stuff just sounds so crazy, and it is this crazy in the book. It's just like one fucking, like you said, mm-hmm. one thing after another. So they're at one point in, I don't even remember what room, but it's like dark out and Kathy sees red eyes and she takes a chair. Everyone else is in there too. George and Missy are in there. And she takes a chair and throws it through the window to hit the eyes. Mm -hmm. And then they hear a squealing running away. And this is where Jody's running through the snow. Yeah, so Jody's running through the snow. The kind of climax is that there's this huge storm and... Like, everything that they do when they try to get away, it seems like they're forced to stay there. The car engine, like, stalls. That's right. Uh, They have to get Harry the dog. There's, like, all these things that happen. They end up going back in and just going to sleep. Yeah, like, oh, oops, the car doesn't work. Right. I guess guess we'll just stay for another night. Which, of course, is completely implausible. If you really believed this stuff was happening, you would walk to a motel. Like, you just wouldn't be like, that's cool, whatever. Of course, right. So people start levitating, beds are moving, doors are slamming shut. The last chapter is just out of fucking control. It's ridiculous. And that's when the boys see the monster, the, like... Sort of demon figure. the demon. And then they finally fucking leave. Finally. And then... That's what gets them to leave. The epilogue of the book. So they leave. (gasps) The epilogue of the fucking book is they've moved to Kathy's mom's house, which is also on Long Island, but in a different town. And shit starts happening again. (laughs) Oh my god, the evil has followed them. George levitates and Goo follows them up the stairs. Which means they've opened the door for the 10,000 sequels that have followed this book, which is all that is. It's ridiculous. So that's the end of the book. So that. Wait, and there's an epilogue. No, that's the epilogue. Wait, what? What is the, what did I read then about the people coming in about the Warrens? Oh and oh, shit? oh 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 oh! You're right. That's you're the right, you're afterward. Right. Afterward. Sorry. There's an epilogue and then the, an afterward. The afterward <laughs> discusses <laughs> the paranormal researchers coming in and how long. Which after? is true, actually. It is true. Yeah. Oh. Wasn't it like very soon afterwards? Oh fuck! I don't even know. Anyway. I don't know when that was, but yes, they did hire paranormal or not. It was right. first. It was like a journalist or a, a team of. 
I guess that maybe they were paranormal investigators, but they seemed kind of legit. But there was also news people attached to it. Yeah, because, okay, because remember in the book, there's a part where George contacts someone from, like, the Rhode George Island. George Kekoris or something like that. Yeah. Um, they contact some dude from, like, the some paranormal. Society of Psychical Research. Right, or, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So he ends up coming in with the Warrens. But, it, but like, the Warrens were later. There was okay. somewhere, something that happened, you're right, pretty soon after they left... And that was where they got the photograph of the boy or Which whatever peeking his head out of the super room. Super scary. It is super scary, but I also think it was. It's one of fucking the fake. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a really scary. picture. It's a good picture. So yeah, if you if you just Google like Amityville ghost boy, never mind. We'll put we'll it on the like, goddamn website. Yeah. It's a great photograph, even though it's probably an accident that it was taken, and it's probably one of the researchers. Right. But it's still a good photograph. But they came in and they like they set up cameras and they think they like did a seance and they were just there all night and nothing fucking happened. Yeah, it's like nothing fucking th- happened. And in this afterward, it's totally anticlimactic. I'm like, they're gonna go in there and find everything that happened. No. And they're like, oh, we felt a little bit chilly sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And that's kind of what has happened ever since. So anyway, I'll, we'll get to that later. So all of this happens. The lessons move out. They and, they, they and they they start publicizing their story. Totally, like the first thing was in like Newsday. I think they they pub or like Ladies Home Journal did a thing on it. Yeah, and like I think yeah. there was an article in Good Housekeeping. Good or, or maybe Good Housekeeping. That's what I'm thinking. So of. they moved to California. They let the bank have the the house back, and then Jay Anson gets a hold of it. Well, they get a hold of him. True. Yeah. There's very little evidence that any of this was real. Right. So, and I should we do you think we should talk about that well, now? Well, okay, really quick. I think there's a couple of things to establish. Okay, go. So, since all of this, this house has been purchased 5 times. Yeah. Including like last year. Right. No other people have reported nope. any strange occurrences. They left under totally normal circumstances. Uh, eventually at one point, and I'm not sure what year this was, but one of the owners petitioned that the address be changed. Because there was so many fucking people coming And there by. still are, apparently. Right. So they d- first first thing they did is they changed the window. So there's the house was a Dutch colonial. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody knows this. But right. It was a Dutch colonial. And it had these sort of, I don't know, quarter circle mm-hmm. shaped windows that kind of look like eyes, I guess. Yeah. That's what the house originally had. Right. And so they changed those to squares. So when I went and visited it, it was hard for me to find it because it, does, it doesn't look like the Amityville house. It just looks like a Dutch colonial with square windows. Right. So they did that first to kind of throw people off the trail, and then they changed the address. So now it's 108 Ocean Avenue. Right. So now you all know. So when you go to Amazon, well, you can yeah, check it out, too. Well, yeah, <laughs> And so now the house is currently over $1 million. No. This is what's weird. Sorry. I just know this because I've been paying attention for the last couple of years. So the last time it's... Okay. In my... The last time in my memory that it sold was in 2010, and it mm-hmm. sold for over a $1 million. Okay. Last time it sold, which was last year, yeah. it was only eight fifty. <gasps> So it's really? gone down in value quite a bit. That's weird. Isn't that weird? But regardless... Uh, it's expensive. It's an expensive house. Right. The real Amityville horror, in my opinion, is all the fucking equity that they missed out on. Oh. Oh my god, to buy a house for $80,000 and then like, oh. Okay, but also, if somebody was fucking smart, they would buy that house and then open it up as a, as a just a tourist attraction. Hello. I And actually, never mind, I've read about this. The city of Amityville won't let them do that. Yeah. There's reasons why that hasn't happened. But I think you could do like an Airbnb situation. Which I don't be, think they could oh stop you from doing that because then you could, so you could charge so much fucking money. Oh you could God. charge $10,000 for a night and people would pay it. Would you go stay there? Oh, hell yeah, I'd go stay. <laughs> Not for $10,000, but if it was 
maybe not free, but cheap. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'd pay, th- yeah. I'd pay a thousand bucks to go stay in the Amityville house. It'd be pretty fun. It'd be really It'd fun. It'd be super fun. Okay, so, yeah, what happened is this book comes out. It's a major, major success. I mean, mm-hmm. huge bestseller. They make a movie very soon after, which mm-hmm. came out in 1979 with James Brolin and Margot Kidder, which will <laughs> get to, I guess. We'll, yeah. we'll come back to the kind of pop culture stuff. Yeah. Then they proceeded to be, I think, like, 20 sequels. I mean, something <gasps> crazy. Some That's of them so are, many. It's so many. And some of them are straight to video, but it became this major thing, this yeah. major... I don't know, horror touchstone. I mean, everybody has heard of the Amityville house. And so from this sort of urban legend kind of beginning, it became a kind of Hollywood establishment Mm -hmm. and lots of people came forward to say, this is bullshit. This is fake. Yeah. And the Lutz family, or at least the parents to their credit, maintained the fact that this was true up until they died. So Kathy died in 2004. George died in 2006. No! Yeah. They're dead? They're both dead. Aww. Um Did they make a lot of money? Because this is what I... So my I've research heard found... No. I've heard no, they didn't. Okay, so I found that Anson and the Lutzes, they split the profits from the novel 50-50. Hmm. Jay Anson died, like, in 1980. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure... He died was, right after it was published, because Satan got him. It was... No, it was out of embarrassment. <laughs> How shitty is For his exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, his, he was like, tomb, what have I done? His fucking tombstone is just Jay Anson exclamation point. <laughs> no, right? It's only exclamation points. <laughs> He's buried in Amityville, and you can find it by just the, it's the one tombstone with like a huge exclamation point on it. <laughs> that not mean the best fucking tombstone. It's, it's just in the shape of an exclamation point. <laughs> it just has your dates on it. That's all. So, okay, where. <laughs> There are so many fucking exclamation points in this book. I tried to find a PDF and do, like, Control-F to find the number of exclamation points. I, cu- I couldn't. I was at work, and, like, you had to download this shit. And you, I was like, like, had to you had to get, work, you know. I'm going to get a virus. But uh, <laughs> some virus. in some, like, article that I read, someone mentioned that there were 22 on one page that they counted. Oh, I believe it. It was... Okay, so, like, imagine your diary from, like, ninth grade... <laughs> Like, imagine yes. what you would write. And, like, oh, my God. Exclamation point. Anthony said hi to me today. Exclamation Five point. exclamation <laughs> point. That's what it's like. Yes. It's, it's awful. No editor. In, I don't understand what the fuck happened, but no editor would, I don't feel like, would ever allow this type of punctuation to exist no. in a mainstream book. No. And this was put, put out, I don't know by who, but it was put out by a major publishing company. It's crazy. I hope they're town. fucking out of business. We're back to talking about Jay Anson. Like, I we, know. We can't get away. What were we talking about? Oh, he died. Okay, oh, so he died in 1980. So right yeah. after this book came out. Right. So I, so I wonder if the Lutzes made a shit ton of money off of this. I mean, I don't know. I've heard. I mean, in interviews, which could be bullshit. That they said that they didn't. That they didn't make a lot of money off this. They did a, they've done a lot of lying, though. They've done a lot of lying. So let's get into the theories. Okay, so the theories about what's going on What's there. really happening here. And I, okay, I'm really excited to ask you about this. Okay, because, go. Go. So Carrie <laughs> read this book. Carrie, tell us about the book that you read this I've week. read every fucking Amityville. No, I haven't. But I've read a lot of fucking Amityville books. Including one this past week, My Sister's Keeper. Okay, so it's written by Kathy Lutz's sister, which is true. It actually is written by her sister. And the whole, the thesis of this book was that George was evil and a warlock. (laughs) 
a fucking warlock. Okay, what evidence is there? What evidence exists to show that George Lutz was a fucking warlock? So, <laughs> this book goes off the rails so fucking fast that I don't even know where to begin with anything. <laughs> Basically, this woman is convinced that George Lutz used all kinds of techniques to control Kathy, including drugging her <gasps> and, like, hypnotizing her and just basically using, like, magic to sort of in- make her enthralled with him so she would just be married to him forever. Whoa. He also, this woman claims, was drugging the author and using all kinds of magic <laughs> to, like, intimidate her, including causing her, like, major health issues. She had to have, like, open-heart surgery and got into a coma. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yep. Uh-huh. Wait, is this self-published? That's an excellent question. <laughs> I would imagine yes. I would imagine, yeah, this is a self-published book. This is an Amazon special. Yikes. Um, but she also claims that the Amityville haunting was faked, by George. So it's really confusing. So first of all, he's totally in league with Satan on one hand, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, he fakes the Amityville haunting. Okay. Which that doesn't make sense <laughs> makes to sense. me. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah. So she she her logic is I think is a little a little shaky in in this book. But she has this whole theory or she has evidence she claims to back it up that he as soon as he heard about the DeFeo murders, George had planned to buy their house, move into it, fake the haunting, and then become, I don't know, famous, rich, something by exploiting this idea of the haunting. So her her claim is that this was all a setup from the moment the DeFeo murders were made public. Wow. Which is like, okay, that's like a deep dive into conspiracies with, with Amityville. She sounds like an extremely stable person. Uh-huh. I think it's the great. entire... The, all of the people that we're going to talk about are very stable, very sane, <laughs> very rational. Thank God. Thank fucking Thank God. God. We need some sanity. <laughs> so another theory is that George and Kathy were just, like, doing so much transcendental meditation <laughs> just... that they just, like, invited in all these demons because that's what transcendental meditation Apparently. leads it's like, to. It's like the Ouija board of meditation. You just, you get into a state and just fucking demons just right. like come and find you. It happens. Apparently. So there's a part in the book where George is like, hey, Father Mancuso, <laughs> which is that how you say his name? Sure. I don't know. Okay. It's a made up name, so you can say it however you want. Father Mancuso, should we stop doing TM? And Father Mancuso's like, you know what, George? It is not going to help. So they think that maybe that was something that brought all evil. the evil into their home. Is that theory two? That's theory two. Yep. Okay, theory three is like, it's real. Maybe. Right? I mean, that's got to be one of the theories, that this actually did happen. And there have been, here's the thing, here's the thing. There's a small part of me that wants to believe that at least a little bit of this is true. So, okay, so this theory would be then that Ronnie DeFeo, the one who killed his, Butch DeFeo, the one who killed his family, was possessed by Satan. No, 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 not necessarily. Not, no. Okay, so if you want to go, like, the most low-key version of the haunting was real, no. So Butch DeFeo was not possessed by Satan. He murders his family. We don't know why. He's just a bad person. This other family moves in a year later, and because they are fucked up themselves and kept a lot of the same furniture 
that the DeFeos had had somehow sort of harness weird energy that other people who lived in the house did not experience. And that it was exaggerated in the book. So what I'm feeling at my most believing, I'm like, okay, maybe I could buy that. That it was like a little bit happened that freaked them out and then it got blown up into this big thing and then they felt like they had to kind of lie to cover it up. But there was a a grain of truth to it. I'll give I'll give it I'll give them that I'll give that like a it's a little bit plausible a, li- a, like <laughs> a little a tiny bit. bit plausible. The less plausible of these <laughs> scenarios is that it's true. As that, everything is true, right? But yeah. that Butch DeFeo was possessed, possessed by, by Satan, Satan, which is why he killed his family, right? And then George Lutz then became also possessed, possessed by, by Satan. Satan. So uh, in the movie and in the book, there's there are these moments where. George Lutz is mistaken for Butch DeFeo. So he goes into mm-hmm. this bar, the witch's brew, and the guy goes, Well, you look just like that DeFeo kid that killed his family last year. He was sitting right there. And in the movie, there's a part where Kathy sees the a newspaper pic- clipping, a newspaper clipping yeah. of Butch DeFeo, and it, it's George. Looks just like George. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like this, there's this implication that you know. Do you want to hear fun movie trivia? Just, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I do. Okay, so Amityville Horror, the original, 1979, mm-hmm. there's a scene where uh, Josh Brolin as George Lutz is in... Lo- James Brolin. Jesus Josh Christ. Josh Brolin is, is, Josh is his son. son. His super hot son. <laughs> James Brolin is in the basement, and he's, at, he's, he's opened up the red room, and he's looking at it, and he sees... Basically, it's supposed to be Ronnie DeFeo. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's really, he's looking at himself. Right. That's his fucking twin brother. No. Yeah. James Brolin apparently has a twin brother, and his twin brother played his reflection. No fucking way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's kind of cool. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Know what Trivia. else is really crazy? Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks so much like fucking Christian Bale. Paul kept going, oh man, James Brolin looks just like Christian Bale. He does! You're it's, fucking right, it's except freaky. with dark hair and like facial hair. Right. Like, but there are moments a, where it's like, you're right. if Christian Bale had on a beard and a fucking wig, they would look like twins. You're right. It's weird. Whoa. Super weird. Okay. Anyway. Okay. And third so, or fifth theory, whatever, yeah, is that five. it's all fucking made up. Yeah. They made yeah. every fucking thing of it up. Right. Which Wait. Is, can we do theory 4.5? Okay. <laughs> theory 4.5 would be that George Lutz is just like an asshole. I think this is kind of similar to the first one. That he's just like a real awful person who just ruined everyone's lives. Okay, but the, and there's some evidence actually to back okay, that and up. What is the evidence for this? Okay. Because I was curious. About okay, so this. there's two pieces of evidence. Okay, so first of all, the sister who wrote that terrible book. Now she's clearly Looney Tunes, but she also hates this guy a lot right. for some reason. And I, I don't think it's because he's a warlock. So there's this person who actually knew him who hated him. Mm-hmm. Then there's also, excuse me, uh, Danny. Lutz. Right. Is that right? He's the one who made the documentary. He's the one. So he's the oldest of Kathy's children. And he made a documentary called My Amityville Horror a couple of years ago. And it's actually kind of interesting. I would recommend watching it uh, because somebody just found this guy and kind of just films him, just follows him around and films him. And he's super angry. He clearly Mm. has PTSD. Yeah. So there's something wrong with him psychologically that does is not faked. I really don't think it is. I really think he's genuinely dealing with some shit. And he fucking hates George Lutz. He says George Lutz was abusive. He says that George Lutz completely ruined his family, was manipulative, was a sociopath. 
But he also, the, the Danny also believes that the haunting was real. So that's interesting. So it's either it was real or because he was a child, he was manipulated into thinking it was real. But he was like 10. Yeah. He wasn't that little. So that's interesting to me. And he doesn't have anything to gain. Right. By lying about that. Yeah. He's not going to make any money off of it. So it's really, that's an, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. So I think George Lutz probably was kind of a dickhead. I think that we can probably safely say was true. So like, okay, because, you know, me being an English teacher, right? So I approach this book like I approach every book, which is where I'm looking for symbolism, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, you know, typically when you have a house in any kind of work of literature, it's a symbol of your inner self. And it's like, they say, they talk about this with dreams, too, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about the symbolism of him finding that extra room. It's like unlocking this like deeper thing in him. And as I was reading this book, I was like, oh man, this is totally a symbol of George's kind of inner self and, and releasing like his own demons. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh man, you know, that's kind of profound. And then I was like, no, fucking Jay Anson. But he Anson. didn't write it. Right. You no, know what I mean? Jay, no, Jay fucking Anson would never. No, I don't think he he's a sophisticated. No, right. No, no, like, no, I don't no. think he's sophisticated enough. But, but you know, again, that's like something that I was thinking about as I was reading is that like, I mean, maybe this really is a book about George Lutz and his. Demons. Like, well, and his like mental illness and causing all these problems for his family. And I really feel like, so in the uh, Ryan Reynolds version of the Amityville Horror... You've seen that? Of course I've fucking seen that, girl. I saw it in the theaters. Me too. Oh! But of course, of course I did, yeah. Oh my god, wasn't that part where that guy is behind that little kid? So scary. Yeah. It fucked me up for, like, days. Anyway. But I feel like that movie really also kind of explores that side, where it almost seems like... The problem isn't with the house. The problem is with George Lutz. I think the original movie does... It's Kind it, of. No, it does, I think. I, mean, I think ultimately it downplays it a little bit it, too much. Well, it makes it definitely makes the haunting seem totally real. Mm-hmm. And that he's been sort of infected by this demon. And the book does it to an even greater extent. Where you think, oh my god, George is actually an insane person. And then it's like... Oh no! No, it totally he totally is redeemed. He's totally the savior of his family at the end, and which I mean, I think that is actually kind of an attractive or not attractive, but it's it makes sense why that was sort of an intriguing idea for people. I mean, the same reason The Shining is. I mean, it's really about a father going insane mm-hmm. and how that can affect everybody in the family because mm-hmm. fathers have physical power right. over everybody else in the in the family unit. So I think that is an interesting idea. Uh, and it does, I mean, Jay Anson's an idiot, but it does echo the idea of the DeFeo murders where it was a crazy man father, in the family. Yeah. Well, not the father, but, well, I guess it was. We'll get into that. But the yeah. person who murders everybody is also a crazy man in the right. family. And so it's these crazy men who have power over everybody else. Right. So, I mean, I think that is, that is I think, an, a very interesting and scary idea. Yeah. It's just done in such a stupid way. Right. With this. Right. Totally. So the, so the last and most plausible theory. theory is they made everything up. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this is true. And this is what I think. This is the yes. theory that I'm going with here. I think, and I agree that this is most likely that they, so William Weber, who was the defense attorney for Ronald DeFeo, who was the guy who murdered his family, somehow hooked up with the Lutzes. He, yeah. I think, hooked up with the Lutzes. Somehow that they met. Which I feel like that's a really messed up 
thing for an attorney to Have do. Have you seen interviews with William Weber? No. He is... He looks... He He's like the guy who wears powder blue suits and chews oh. on a cigar. Oh, no. And he's got, like, the total, like, New York <laughs> accent. And no. he's bald. He's the tackiest fucking person. He looks like a character in a movie. Like, you oh. can't believe this is a real person. So, yeah. So, he's Ronald DeFeo's, I think, public defender right. or something. Yeah. Somehow, he hooks up with the Lutzes, partially, I think, for the plan of... His whole defense for Ronald DeFeo was that he had been possessed by demons. Yeah. And so he figured that if he could get the DeFeos to say, yeah, the house was haunted, he right. would have more of a leg to stand on with his defense of Ronald DeFeo. Right. So he has claimed that he and Ronald DeFeo got, or excuse me, he and the Lusses got together and over a few, multiple bottles of wine, concocted the entire Amityville horror story. Yeah, so this is a quote from People Magazine in 79. This is the year the movie came out. He said, we created this horror story over many bottles of wine. I told George Lutz that Ronnie DeFeo used to call the neighbor's cat a pig. Okay. Uh, (laughs) George was a con artist. He improvised on that, and in the book, he sees a demon pig through a window. Yeah. And I think you always want to go with the simplest answer to everything, and this is the simplest Simplest answer. answer. Uh, The only reason I find this not exactly hard to believe, but interesting, is that... They were so adamant about backing the story up forever. And yeah. maybe you just, when you're backed into a lie, maybe that's just what you have to do. I don't know. But Kathy Lutz died of emphysema. Oh, and shit. there was an interview with her not long before she died. And she's fucking hooked up to an oxygen tank. Ooh. And she's backing up the Amityville horror story. And I'm just like, seriously? Like, you agreed like, to be up. interviewed and you're dying. And you're yeah. still defending this fucking haunted house story. I mean, that is weird. I don't know what to make of that. So I'm not trying to say that the haunting is real, but I'm just trying to say that, like, I feel like if I was involved with something of this big of a lie, I would just sort of disappear from public view. Right. Like, I'd be like, okay, I've got my money, I'm out. Right. And they continue to be interviewed and be in public forever until they die. Yeah. And, I mean, it got to the point where George Lutz sued William Weber over invasion of privacy. Mm. And then William Weber countersued for breach of contract, oh which I really want to know what that means, right? And then the Lutz case ended up getting thrown out, but William Weber's case was settled out of court. How did you find out? I didn't know uh, any I, of this. This all was in an article that I read about huh. Amityville and how it's pretty much bullshit. And I feel like that's evidence in itself, you know? I mean, the fact that they had a contract to breach and Uh, uh that it was settled out of court, it's like the law is siding with this, you know, idea that it's a lie, so. Why was this such a big deal? Like, okay, there have been over 20 movies made. Jesus Christ, Oh my god. Including one. Oh my god. It's more than the Fast and the Furious. There was one that was made like two years ago. It just got released like a couple months ago. Really? Mm -hmm. Weird. I know. Why did this catch on in such a big way? What is it about Amityville that captured our attention and our. it, It like tapped into something that was happening and I think continues to happen in American. The American psyche? I don't know. I mean, that makes it sound... I sound pretentious when I say that. But there's something here. And I and I know because I was totally into it. I mean, I've seen almost every Amityville movie. I've read almost every book. And yet I think it's bullshit. I can't explain why I'm interested in this. But there's a little part of me that's like, 
maybe this is true. Like maybe there's something there, like a small kernel of something there. And that something is interesting to me. Hmm. I've, so I've been asking myself this question all week. Mm -hmm. Like why are people so into this story? You know, I think as, as we were kind of like talking through this. Okay. So when I was reading the book, the, the thing that I kept hearkening back to was the exorcist. This, And the movie and the book reminded me so much of The Exorcist because it's so heavy on, like, that Catholic church, this idea of, like, demons. So... You know, this priest fighting this good The Exorcist came out in 1974, just to give us some context. Yeah. You know, I was was thinking a lot about this, like, what was happening in America where it would create this fertile ground for stories about Catholicism and, you know, this good over evil sort of situation... And then I wondered, like, so every generation is a response to the generation that came before. So at this time, right, the baby boomers are going through, well, before this, so 10, 15 years before, they're going through this whole thing where they're, like, experimenting with, like, Eastern religion, transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're kind of moving away from from Christianity. And, you know, I'm wondering if it's, like... As they're getting older, or as their kids are growing up, right, they're moving back more towards their roots, you know, as in a response to, like, oh, well, that was, you know, we need to get back to, like, our wholesome roots. And our wholesome roots are so wholesome that they can sort of conquer evil. Evil, right. In some way. So, so one of the things that I read was that, like, it was about the history of church in America and, and Catholicism and... And, you know, that was a thing is that as the baby boomers are getting older and having their own kids, they're moving out into the suburbs. And the two pillars of the community are family and church. And church becomes like the super wholesome thing. And typically people are returning to the church of their childhood. And so for a lot of people that ended up being the Catholic church. And and so these stories ended up becoming like proof. And so I feel like Amityville kind of captures that tension where... You know, George and Kathy are, like, really into transcendental meditation. They're not, like... But the Catholic Church is what's going to save them. Right, and that's what saves them. And I feel like the movie hits this home even more. Oh, way more, yeah. There's this this point where Kathy's looking for the priest, and she's like, he's more than a priest. He's, like, an old friend or something. And I was like, Jesus... Yeah. I mean that's you know that you can't get more more propaganda in into a shorter period of time. It was crazy. It it is interesting because I do think of the seventies as being way more than the sixties actually as as the true sort of wild and crazy decade. Yeah, where people were doing a lot of exploration, not bound to old ideas mm-hmm. about morality or or convention. So it's interesting that in that time period, there was a major religious fundamentalist. Right. Re- I mean, more than a revival. Like, the, the fundamentalist, like, evangelical Christianity that we see today has its roots in the 1970s. Like, that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. All of that. And so that's, which I'm sure was a response to the 60s. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's all of a piece. But horror movies were also huge in the 70s in general. Right. And right. not just the Catholic ones. And I think there was... 
this very pessimistic attitude about everything and there was it was a dark decade which i fucking love the 70s because yeah. it's so fucking dark there's like fuck it everything's terrible yeah and like so all the serial killers and shit oh too. yeah like really horrible things are actually happening horrible in shit was happening too. in the 70s and that but that's where you see i think the peak of great horror movies mm-hmm. is also in that decade which includes the the exorcist and the omen yeah and Rosemary's Baby, well, no, Rosemary's Baby's 60s, but it's all those kinds of, like, Satan kind right. of movies together. Yeah. But there's also a whole bunch of other things. Um, but the Amityville Horror, I think, was more or or more popular than The Exorcist because it also put in the haunted house thing in there. So, like, right. the Catholic thing, I think, doesn't appeal to everybody. Right. Because, like, I like I don't have anything to do with the Catholic Church, so it doesn't do anything for me emotionally, but a fucking haunted house, like, everybody lives in a house. Yeah. Everybody has some sort of... I think association with that. So they took the idea of the haunted house, which I think everybody can at least sort of relate to. And then added on top of that, they, this idea that it's more than a ghost. It's like fucking, it's a demon. Mm -hmm. And I think that idea was really scary to people because I think ghosts before this had been seen as sort of neutral or even sympathetic. It was like, well, you may have a ghost in your house, but they're just misunderstood. You like, you just need to like figure out what they're, their issue is and then they'll kind of go away i think there was that kind of idea in in the in the literature and in movies and this was like no like this is just evil that's not based in human in humans like this is just evil that is just there and there's you're not getting rid of this shit yeah like not only are you is it like malicious it's like on purpose targeting you but then when you try to leave it it'll follow you follow you and i think that even though i don't believe it I think is a scary idea, and this is something that we're seeing again in movies in the last, I don't know, 10 years. I think we're seeing that idea of the demons as opposed to the ghosts in movies, and I think this was the first time that I can think of that they sort of blended those two ideas of the haunted house with the demon. And so, yeah, I think it was cynical, and I think it was made up, and I think Jay Anson is a fucking hack, but I think it's I think it is effective, and I think there are things about it that are effective because clearly Jay Anson did his research because there are things in the Amityville Horror that are very classic like haunted house things like everybody feeling cold, like if you go back and look through like haunted house stories like forever that's always a thing like people feel cold people can't get warm, smells things moving on their own hearing things like all of those things are very classic haunted house tropes. And then he adds in the kind of elements that are sort of satanic on top of that. Mm -hmm. And I do think that is a really effective combination, despite the fact that the movies are terrible and the book is terrible. (laughs) Like, I think that, like, that transcends it. I mean, at least it did for me. Like, there was just something about it. It was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, if you had something in your house that was malevolent in that way, like, that's a terrifying idea. Yeah. That's, That's my theory about the appeal. Can't argue with that. Do you want to do you want to talk about Margot Kidder speaking speaking of the appeal of the pop culture? Right. <laughs> I just okay, like so first off, two attempts to watch this movie <laughs> thwarted by falling asleep cuz it's really fucking long. It is. Like, the Amityville Horror 1979 is really long and really it's long. really boring. Yeah. In, but in a, in a really glorious 70s way. Yeah. Like, they don't... There's not a lot... There's not a lot of jump scares. There's not a lot of... It's very sort of mundane, which for me actually sort of works in its favor. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this kind of seems real. Right. Because it's not... There's not a lot of, like, over-the-top shit. Yeah. It's just kind of like you're going about your day and your husband is 
slowly going slowly crazy. Slowly going crazy. In the and, living room. And may kill you with an axe. <laughs> right. Oh, which that great, there's that great scene where she's dreaming and like she walks into Missy's room or and not, he is mur- Amy's room Amy's room in the movie and right. he and George has murdered her yeah and then he turns around and just chops into her head and the blood splatters everywhere it's so good so great it's amazing <laughs> Margot Kidder in this movie she plays like, she plays Kathy she plays Kathy and I have so many problems with her performance okay <laughs> so first off my biggest problem because you know how I am with sounds mm-hmm. Oh my fucking god! She turns so many of her bilabial sounds into fucking labiodental sounds. I have no so, clue. Okay, what you just so like instead can of you, saying can you, can like, can you do um, an example for our audience? Well, you'd have to see my face. But for example, <laughs> instead of saying like he's more than a priest, he's an old friend. She goes, he's more than a priest. He's my old friend. So she doesn't like put her lips together. She oh, puts her teeth you're right. to her like, and it was that's all I could think about the entire <laughs> fucking movie. Okay, so that's the first thing, minor, right? But I think that also, and I think maybe this was maybe also a thing in the seventies. Like I really feel like Margot Kidder's character is there to appeal to fucking pedophiles, and this is why Margot Kidder is constantly wearing things or like styling herself. In a very like childish way, so you're, she's you're wearing right. like you're right. pigtails, or she's wearing like a Catholic Catholic school, school girl, girl outfit, outfit. Yeah. like weird to me. And then there's like the, the ballerina scene where she has one leg warmer on, which what's the point of that? But like so seventies, <laughs> and she's standing in front of her smoked mirrors in her bedroom. Because of course she is doing like a ballerina move, like doing ballerina and moves. And then makes love with George. Yeah, and she and her shirt's open and, and she doesn't have a bra on. Yeah. And then makes love on the floor in a very 70s way with George. <laughs> so 70s, it's like all these different cuts to like their back, like George is back and they're like kissing. And there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot. And there's music. I feel like it's sort of a musical <laughs> montage of them like, like kind of rolling around on the floor. And like candles? And then there, Are there candles? Because I really felt like there was a candle happening. There may have been a candle happening. And then, there, and then, oh, it's so much better. Their kid walks in on them. Yeah. Kathy goes and deals with that, comes back. And then, like, they have this like kind of scene in bed where she's, or no, he's smoking. Yeah. But that doesn't he like it, like he says something about like being embarrassed or I don't know there there it's a very oblique but it's sort of this idea that he was impotent and then she gives him a blowjob. Yeah. There's a there's definitely a blowjob implied. <laughs> yeah. I'm like oh my god. Oh, it's just like very it's just like too much. It's, I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's yeah. It's really bad. But I mean, it is like it's fun. It's I remember All watching right. it when I was like 13. My mom was like, you should watch that movie. <laughs> So I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, that's fun. And oh my god, there is a fucking hot priest. Yeah. <gasps> uh, Father Father Boland. <laughs> who Morgan wants to Oh my god. Wants to bone he Bolin. was like in Nam and like there's He was one so he's part. tortured. He was in Nam. Yeah, he was yeah. in Nam, which I like just really want to steward his trauma. And like <laughs> there's this one part where he is fixing a car and he's totally. out of his like yep. the like the vestiges of his like priest. Hood and Kathy's like talking to him, and he has like this army jacket on. And I'm like, Oh, hey, yeah, he's you can be my father, he's cute, super cute. 
Uh, um, oh, and James Brolin. Okay, this is another very 70s thing. James Brolin is in his underwear at one point. A lot. No, he's in his underwear at a few points. Is I, he? I think so. I feel like there's a few underwear scenes. Well, and they're all t- they're all really tidy whities Tidy whities uh-huh. With like a thermal kind of like... You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like a long john top. Yeah. With his tidy whities which makes no sense. And his wiener is curled into a question mark. It's like, <laughs> all I could stare at was his wiener. It was... Oh my god, so Do you know, intense. okay, so you know James Rowland is married to Barbara Streisand? What? Now, oh yeah. They had like, they're like super in love. They've been married for, I don't know, 20 years probably at this point. Seriously? Oh yeah, they, but they got married like older too. Oh my god. And I hate Barbara Streisand and James Brolin. I don't hate him, but he's a terrible actor. But I'm sort of obsessed with them as a couple. So anyway. Oh my god, she gets to see his... Big question she guesses his, his oh question mark God. anytime she fucking wants. Damn, uh, Barbara. Okay, so I want to defend Amityville Horror uh, a little bit. So I'm going to tell you what I like about it. Okay. Okay, so the opening four minutes I think are good. So, okay, so the opening of the movie is you just, like, see the house, and then you're watching la, it. La, yeah, la, <laughs> exactly, exactly. La, la, so la, the la. score is by Lalo Lalo Schifrin. He's, okay, so he's good. He's a, I don't know, he's a guy. He did Dirty Harry. He does a lot of scores. This one is nominated for an Oscar. It's good. Uh, so the whole thing's good. It's very creepy, and you're watching, like, the sky turn orange, and then it's, like, and the, the eye windows are lit up the entire time. That's good. I think that's an effective yeah, that's beginning. Good. Then they show the murders. Also, I think, pretty good. And then the, so there's, or it shows the gunshots happening. Yeah. Then you see George and Kathy looking at the house with a realtor. As the realtor is showing them the house, you get to see flashbacks of the murders. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good. I like that. Then it goes downhill. And I'm trying to think where it goes back (laughs) uphill from there. I'm trying to think of other elements I like about it. I like the sort of, like, unraveling the mystery scenes. Like, I like, I like anything that has to do with the psychic. So remember George's co-worker's girlfriend no. oh yeah when no, that I her t- voice turns no 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 i like her teeth I, her teeth are terrifying <laughs> oh, my, oh god. my god but i still think that's scary because she's such an over she chews the scenery and i love it anything with her i'm kind of she is probably the best actor in that entire movie <laughs> no you know okay you know who i think is the best actor who the babysitter <gasps> oh yeah she's really great okay because that scene Okay, so the Describe scene... Describe the scene. Okay, so it's the... George and Kathy are going out on a date because they're trying to... Wait, re- which I... No, they go to the wedding, and this is what Oh, I you're right, you're right, it's the about. wedding, it's the wedding. They take the two boys, but, but they not leave the girl. No, Missy she's, she's or Amy, sorry. She's sick. Oh, that's what it was? Okay. okay. So they're going, so um, Kathy's brother's getting married, so they go to they go to his wedding. So they, yeah, they take the two boys, they leave the youngest daughter behind with a babysitter. So... And Amy in this movie is a fucking brat. She is horrible. Evil. She's like a horrible little kid. And so this babysitter who has headgear, which is like the best detail that she just like has fucking headgear. That's all I could look at for the entire no, time. And for no reason. Like they could have found an actor without headgear no, or they made this poor actress put on headgear. That's exactly what it was. They just want really, they want the audience to know that this is a teenager. This but she, is like straight I think she really teenager. was a teenager. She was a teenager. But this is so 70s, and that's what I love about it. They were very interested in realism. So, like, mm-hmm. in the modern remake of this movie, in the 2000, or 2005 remake, the babysitter's, like, super sexualized. Yeah. In this one, she's not. She's uh-huh. just, like, a normal-looking teenage girl, which I love. Like, they don't they don't go there at all. So she's a normal-looking teenage girl. She's like, hey, Amy, like, I'm going to go to the closet and get you your pajamas or whatever. She goes in the closet. The door closes. Locks. She can't get out. 
So if it starts off kind of slow. She's like, you know, trying the doorknob. Sort of like Amy, like, open the door. No response. Amy opened the door. Like, this isn't funny. And then it keeps going. And they just kind of, like, let it play. They don't cut away from it. And this girl fucking flips out. And I remember watching this as a kid and being like, how fucking scary would that be? Yeah. She, to the I, point where her, like, she's knocking so hard, she, like, has bloody Yeah, she, her hands are bloody. And yeah. she's leaving, like, bloody <laughs> smears on the door. Yeah. But I think it's actually a really effective scene because yeah. I'm like, that's terrifying. You're getting no response. Right. Like, this kid is maybe out there and you don't know and you're locked in a fucking closet and then the lights go out. Yeah. And that's, like, the end of the scene and she screams and that's just, like, the end. And then you see the parents coming home and they let her out and she She's, like, completely hysterical, and, like, she's, like, her hands are all bloody. And Kathy gets mad at the daughter. At Amy, yeah. Good, for good reason. I know. And I was, like, yes, girl. Like, I hate it because people don't yell at their kids anymore. And I was, like, you yell at her. Fuck yeah, you yell at her. I know. So that was a good scene. I think the Amityville Horror, I think, actually does have some good elements to it. If they would have, like, like edited it differently. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, I don't know. But I think there, there are good... I think the acting's okay, and I think there's good pieces to it. They just needs to be put in a different package. Yeah. But it, it, I think it does capture the kind of normalcy of the Amityville house. Be, and actually, in real life, the Amityville house is like a totally normal house. Mm-hmm. Like, the movies make it seem like a bigger house than it actually is. Yeah. Like, if you, you would never notice it driving down the street. Like, you see houses bigger than that in Seattle all the time. Right. Like, it's nothing special. And I think that's kind of scary. That it's just like, hmm, whatever. Just like a regular just ass house. regular ass house. Well. So yeah. So, and Amityville 2, I love so much. But we'll talk about it next, next episode, episode. Because it's really more about the DeFeos. Yeah. So next episode, we're going to focus on the actual murder, the DeFeos, their family life, and what's happened since. Oh, and there's there's a lot to talk about. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. Bye.